Welcome to Startup Health Now, the podcast where we celebrate the innovators and entrepreneurs building the future of health. I'm India Edwards. On this episode, which was recorded live on the floor of Health in Boston in October, Startup Health's Logan Plaster sits down with Shay Hauser, the CEO and co-founder of U-Turn. Shay and his team are working to fight addiction by making addiction treatment resources more accessible. They recognized that it isn't just the addicted person who is affected, but a wide community of friends and family. So they're working with employers to address problems early and to respond to addiction as a community of support. Shay comes at U-Turn as both a serial entrepreneur and as someone who has struggled with addiction. That combination of tactical and personal experience has helped the startup secure important early partnerships, which Shay discusses in the interview. Enjoy. All right, Shay Hauser, CEO of U-Turn. Thanks for joining me on this very special episode of uh, Startup Health Now podcast. Man, it's great to be here. How about us at the health show? I mean, this yeah. is kicking it. We've got people walking around we can, we're in this uh, plastic booth. It's good times. It is good times. 6,000 people registered, I think, is what I read. It's phenomenal. I mean, this is an amazing venue, a lot of people, and just having a blast talking to a lot of companies doing some great stuff across healthcare, and I've been blown away with some of the technology that I've been seeing. It's cool. Awesome. Well, yeah. Shay, I want to talk about your company. I want to talk about U-Turn. Uh, I want to talk about sort of your recent moves, uh, collaborations you've had, but then also talk about broader trends you're seeing yeah. here at the show and elsewhere uh, in addiction care and where that intersects with uh, mental health care and digital health. So for all of our uh, listeners, why don't you just start by telling me a bit of your origin story. I like to I like to start with the challenge. You know, what was it about healthcare uh, that you saw that was broken? Uh, that you said, you know what, I'm going to take the risk. You are a startup um, founder. It's it's significant risk to step into this this market. Mm -hmm. uh, what was so broken that you said, you know what, I I got to be a part of this solution? Yeah. Well, for me, it was I was broken. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, I was having challenges inside of drugs and alcohol. Um, you know, call it addiction, call it whatever you want. But, but as I, you know, went through my career over the last 30 years, I was always an active, you know, alcoholic, if you will. I was an equal opportunity drug user. I rarely saw a drug I didn't like. They all look good to me. Mm. Um, but, but I managed to keep things kind of in between the lines. And, and what that meant was I was able to, I think, help build companies and create value. And because of that, I, I, would, I was able to get away with things that maybe some people wouldn't be able to get away with. But eventually, you know, my story is like a lot of others that struggle with drugs and alcohol. And, and you know, too many relapses led to the family intervening. And I ultimately went to treatment. And, you know, I've since that time, I've gone through treatment three additional times. So I've been in rehab four times. I've spent about six months inside of institutions sort of dealing with these things. And a lot of it, quite, quite frankly, stemmed from um, some sexual trauma I endured. Uh, I was abducted by, by three guys about 15 years ago and, and beaten and robbed and, and, and sexually assaulted. And uh, I, I didn't really uncover a lot of that stuff until I got to treatment the third time and really started to dig deep into some of the, some of the anxieties and fears and worries that I was having. But, but ultimately, Logan, when I, when I left treatment, more than anything, I saw how my experience in and out of treatment, relapses, impacted my 16-year-old daughter at that mm -hmm. time. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, she was my youngest child. 
Uh, she was still in high school after I had relapsed and, and gone to treatment. And she was in private school and just simply struggled mightily with, you know, dad relapsed again. Dad's going to lose his job. Dad's going to die. Dad's going to jail. What, whatever sure. those stories she made up. And, you know, ultimately it became very apparent to me that inside of addiction medicine, it has always been focus on the alcoholic, focus on the addict, focus on the person that's causing the issues. And that person really needs to hit this proverbial bottom. Mm. At that point, they'll want it enough and they'll go get help. And the reality is that's just simply not true and it's not a good way to approach it. The entire time though, the family is living in dysfunction. Mm. The family has no idea what to do and they're, they're scared and they're worried and they're ashamed and they're nervous and they're angry, they're frustrated. And until that changes, until the family starts to get involved in the entire process of this addiction treatment, I don't think it's gonna get truly addressed. Yeah. And that was the genesis of U-Turn. It was how we've gotta do something different. We cannot keep doing the same thing that we've been doing for the last 70 years. We've got to do something that brings the family involved. And if we do that, we're going to start to make some serious systemic, you know, some systemic change. And that's what we're trying to do here. So there's millions of people who have dealt with some of the challenges that you just described. Uh, not many of them decide to start a company to try to fill some of these gaps. What was it in your, uh, your history and your experience that, that led you to believe, you know what, maybe I can be uh, a part of this solution? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I think more than anything, anything else, I've, I'm an entrepreneur at heart, so U-Turn's my fifth startup. Right. You know, I've, I've, I've done it a number of times, always been in technology. Um, so I just, I felt like I had the skill set as long as my head was, was clear, I had the skill set to create something. And I was super fortunate in that there's a nationally recognized nonprofit in Greenville, South Carolina, where, I'm, where I live, okay. called uh, Faces and Voices of Recovery. Greenville was named Program of the Year by the Department of Justice in 2018. It's an addiction triage, supported about 40,000 people over the last eight years with entirely free services. So it's every demographic and every substance my family helped donate money, helped start, favor. My co-founder, Elizabeth, was the original chairperson of the capital campaign. And our third partner, Rich Jones, was the CEO of Favor for eight years. We've all known each other. So, gotcha. you know, it, it, it sort of just came together from years of experience knowing each other and then watching the good work at the nonprofit and just noodling on the idea. How do we take all the good work we did here, helping all of these families, all of these people, how do we scale this? How do we build it on a, on a national level? And you, you can't, you know, I, I think it's difficult to do that in a nonprofit. Yeah. And I'm used to raising capital and getting investors and, and doing that. So that was really why I think I took the jump. And for me, this is a passion play. I mean, yeah. it's not about money. It's not about that. It's simply how do we go help people? How do we take all this experience and really make an impact and, and help families that are just simply struggling mightily with this? Well, that's a perfect tee up to what U-Turn actually does. I mean, you've talked about the problem. How do you actually meet families where they're at? How do you actually go beyond these uh, sort of maybe outmoded ideas of meeting these certain benchmarks? Mm -hmm. um, how do you think differently about it at scale? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the biggest challenges with addiction is, is obviously stigma. Stigma is a huge part of addiction. We all know that. Because of stigma, people that are struggling don't go get help. 
The data is very clear that only 10% of the people that struggle with drugs or alcohol ever go get help. It's been that way forever, right? That, that's just the stats. And 90% of the people that are struggling, are, they're, they're gonna go out tonight, they're gonna get hammered, and they're gonna make a mess. And that stigma stops them from reaching out for help. It stops the family from getting help. So addressing it in a different way is, is simply what's needed. So U-Turn is about providing families with a confidential platform to begin to learn. We're not trying to cure addiction. We are not the end game. What we wanna do is help people get some education, begin to learn, particularly those that are at the very beginning of the journey, mm -hmm. right? Meaning maybe they just found some pills in their 16 year old kid's car. Maybe they've watched their wife slowly move from a glass of wine at night to two glasses of wine to now a bottle a night and she's sleeping through getting her kids to school. You know, these are how the situations evolve and it eventually just it moves slow and then turns into a crisis. Mm -hmm. That shame around it stops people from getting help. So with U-Turn, we provide our platform to employers, to commercial enterprises, um, public sector. But the idea is that there's a ton of employees that are struggling with this stuff, but they are not the alcoholic, they are not the addict. I hate using those terms, by the way, they're super stigmatizing, but mm. the reality is they're going home to it. Okay. Well, Shay, Shay, what are better terms to be using? I, we like to say the individual that's struggling, you know, the struggling individual. A person yeah, struggling we, with this Yeah, we try to identify problem. him as a person, yeah, because I mean, the, the, the reality is the majority of the people that are struggling with this stuff are people that have, they have trauma, they've got issues that, that they didn't ask for, and they're simply trying to get better. They're trying to relieve their stress, their anxiety. And for, you know, some people are gonna eat chocolate cookies to do that. Other people are gonna drink a bottle of wine. So one's not right or wrong, better than the other, whatever. It's just simply they're trying to get through life. Yeah. So these are individuals that are struggling. These are people trying to, to find help. Okay. Uh, and you're primarily working with employers. How are yes. you getting to people? Yeah, we primarily work with employers. We are doing a lot of work right now, though, inside of uh, treatment centers, so drug and alcohol treatment centers. Our program really revolves around the family. Uh, so one of our programs where we work with a, a treatment center called the Meadows, it's a nationally recognized treatment center. When an individual goes into the Meadows for treatment, the Meadows provides the family with our program for a year. So think about that. You know, for the first time, the family is actually getting their own program, their own support, content along with a family recovery coach that has, you know, lived experience that can support the family while the individual's in treatment, but more importantly, as the individual leaves treatment and comes home, there is so much dysfunction in that. Yeah. So the Meadows is really taking the lead in, in providing a service like that. And then at the same time, when the individual leaves treatment, we also support them with a peer recovery coach and again, the U-Turn content platform, which facilitates communication. Inside of the employer space though, what, I'll, what, I'll, you know, what I've witnessed, what I've seen is an increasing interest in this space, an increasing interest obviously in employee mental health. There's still some disconnect, I believe, in terms of employers fully grasping the level of drug and alcohol use impacting them. And it doesn't have to be actual addiction, but you know, sort of excess use of this stuff impacts healthcare costs, impacts resilience, productivity, a lot of mistakes being made, things like that. So we're working hard to help the, the enterprise understand all of these issues and really help them understand 
the primary problem is not the person at the office that's drinking too much. Like, look, that's an issue and we want to, we want to help that person. Sure. But the issue is absolutely these employees that are going home to it. That is by and large the bigger issue. Pre-COVID, that was over 20% of the workforce. Gotcha. So, you, you know, you're talking probably 35 to 40% of the workforce, if not more right now, are either personally dealing with this stuff, using, you know, substances in a, in a risky manner, or the, the family is. So it's it's simply not anything that can be ignored anymore. And to assume that you don't have a problem at the company only because you're not dealing with DUIs or mm. alcohol-driven sexual harassment, maybe, the problem is there. It's yeah. just hidden and you need to, you know, you, the company's gotta deal with it. I, it's really fascinating to think about the, the ripple effects and thinking it's not just the individual. Uh, there are, the, it's this sort of silent epidemic happening with everyone who's going home like you said and it's uh i'll tell you this just a personal story so at lunch today over here sitting at lunch at the table with a couple other people and you know we did the normal introductions hey what do you do what do you do and i and i went through kind of what we do at u-turn and the the young lady sitting next to me um super engaged with with what i was talking about and and long story short her her mother is a is a heroin user um she's essentially homeless and her and her two siblings, uh, the lady I was talking with and her two siblings, address the situation very differently. Some won't talk to their mom, you know, talk to the mom. She will, she gets pulled into financial issues. It's impacted you know, her kids. I mean, it's unbelievable, the ripple effect. She started crying at, at lunch. Wow. She started crying, talking. I gave her the U-turn platform to log on for free. Wow. But wow. just to watch, her she is not she doesn't struggle with drugs or alcohol yeah. but she is watching her mom and is brought up in this and it has crushed her life it she's never going to yeah. forget this stuff so there's, there's no program you know there's no treatment facility for the it, family it doesn't <laughs> exist man i mean it just doesn't exist because again it's we we focus on the on the individual yeah. and then in the meantime the family's just sitting there shell-shocked yeah. trying to recover from you know possibly decades yeah. of chaos and dysfunction inside of the home. Well, it's a good transition. I wanna, I wanna talk a little bit about the trends you're seeing here mm -hmm. at Health. You talked about having lunch with, uh, with somebody. This is an opportunity to really see uh, what people are focusing on uh, in innovation. And I think, you know, my first question is, you know, what do you feel like is the understanding level when you think about mental health companies, you think about um, uh, holistic companies that are, are really trying to see the patient as a whole person. You know, what is the general appreciation that you're seeing for some of these challenges that you're talking about? Yeah, so I mean, I've spent a lot do, of time. Do they get it? Do yeah, they, you know, I've I, I spent a lot of time walking around talking to the, the mental health companies over the last couple of days. I, I applaud what they do. I love these companies. It's amazing to see professional money, venture capitalists, you know, putting their money at work to create services that can really help employees around stress and anxiety and depression. I think, uh, I think we're just scratching the surface. It is so early inside of substance misuse. I think now that some of the mental health companies are really beginning to get scale, they're getting a lot of customers, they're talking to employees, they are now beginning to get the questions around drugs and alcohol. They're, they're seeing that it is an underlying issue. They're not sure if the employee is stressed out because they're drinking too much or they're drinking too much because they're stressed out, right? Who knows? Yeah. Well, in, until you sort of peel that onion back and start digging, you, you don't know. But the reality is you can't address one without addressing the other. So 
I think we're at the very early stages of companies like ours mm. and really the mental health companies beginning to expand the services into substance misuse. Every one of the companies that I talked to in the mental health space over the last two days, two days said it is a key priority for 2022, everyone. Mm. Most of them said they're gonna try to roll out some type of program, it, at least in terms of alcoholism, um, but but others as well. So no doubt we're moving in that direction. You, you feel like it, that's that's what's coming next? No, no question. I mean, just based on my experience talking with these folks and. You know, and again, me out there talking to employers, I hear it now, but there's there's still not a general acceptance that drugs and alcohol are an issue. I think they, I think frankly, human resources in general are just worn out, mm. just tired and stressed, obviously from, from COVID, and then spending time trying to vet the mental health apps. There's obviously a lot of, a lot of different choices bringing those apps into the company, getting it through budget, rolling it out, disseminating it, figuring it out. And they're like, phew, yeah. deep breath. Like, yeah. please don't come talk to me about drugs and alcohol, Shay. It's the last thing I want to do. Is, is part of it also that it's just so personal? It's very personal. The, the HR person themselves might have a struggle or a loved one. For sure. You know, it's just the the impact is is so intimate no doubt um, no doubt that it's easy to to hit a, a, a you know a a wall with that there's always been this story that drugs and alcohol or or alcohol that that's personal mm. what you do on the weekends your business you mm. just come into work and, and as long as you work and you perform we're good so I, you know that's just been the way it is i don't really know why that's the case I think just the reality is beginning to sink in that if you have an employee that's struggling with drugs or alcohol, they're going to cost you significantly more than an employee that does not struggle with drugs and alcohol. There's enormous reams of data around that. There is. Okay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Both a three-year study out of SAMHSA uh, covering 25,000 businesses and then the National Safety Council just did one. Uh, an employee with a substance use disorder cost the employer about $8,000 annually over an employee that doesn't struggle with this stuff. Yeah. It's hidden in the claims because because the doctor's not diagnosing alcoholic, right? They, it's not in the diagnosis, it's not in the claims, but it's there. It's in, you know, absenteeism, things like that. And that's just that individual. That's just that particular that's individual. That's not the spouse. No, no. <laughs> who's having to stay home Yes. Uh, too many times, uh, you know. It, 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 it just, the amount of time that gets eaten up by an employee who has a, a daughter struggling with, with opioids would, would shock people. They are, they are simply not present. And they can't be. Yeah. If my kids struggle with opioids, yeah. I'm not gonna be present. I mean, all I wanna do is help my kid. So if I'm, at, you know, if I'm at the office and I have anything close to free time, of course I'm on Google trying to figure this yeah. stuff out. Yeah. That's not necessarily a good solution. Yeah. But yeah, there's, there's, you know, it's there. I do think it is the emerging trend over the next couple of years. I, I certainly hope so. And I think that some of these mental health companies are in a really good position to bring services to bear related to drugs and alcohol, and I hope they do it. So my understanding is that you turn in order to uh, scale and to reach more people, you're, you're collaborating with other companies, uh, and you, ha you have uh, one of those sort of on display here. Tell me a bit about that merger. Yeah, so we're working with a company called Heritage Cares. It's a subsidiary of Dallas-based Heritage Health Solutions. Mm -hmm. Heritage Health Solutions is an integrator, primarily inside of the public sector market. They have 60 contracts with the VA. They also run all of the healthcare for the inmates of the U.S. Marshals. They've had that contract 
for 14 consecutive years now. So a lot of track record, particularly, you know, inside of prisons, jails, and then veteran, the veteran community. And although those don't seem to match up, they actually do because between jails, prisons, veterans, you've got an enormous amount of suicide, drug and alcohol problems. Sure, sure. So Heritage saw that is an issue that needed to be addressed. And over the last couple of years, we built a partnership with them. We now, between the partnership, have this very innovative and comprehensive product that we can bring into the enterprise space or the commercial space, I should say. Um, and it just made sense to put the companies together. Thanks. So we're, we're merging. We ought to have this thing wrapped up in about three weeks. Super excited about it. It'll be uh, CARES powered by U-Turn. And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fired up. They've, they're private equity back. They've got money. They got can it. help me grow this thing and, and cool. put some, put, you know, put some gas in the tank. Now, a big piece of what you bring to the table is education, correct? Yes, yeah. is, is that mostly web-based? Yeah, you know, the U-Turn the platform can be accessed from any device at any sure, time. Sure. You don't have to download an app. It's web-enabled. Yeah. And, you know, I, that's, a, that's the coolest part about it. I ask that because you know, we're at a health tech conference, and I wonder what you think of as the opportunities that an advanced tech stack brings to addiction care. I'm thinking of a company like New Life Virtual, part sure. of the startup yeah. portfolio. Um, bringing sort of the best of uh, social networking and, and the best of uh, app-based platforms. Yep. How do you see some of those things being helpful to what you're doing, if they are? Yeah, no, they definitely are. I mean, we, we love the folks at New Life. We're working with them, and we're trying to figure out what the partnership might look like. I mean, they've done a great job creating a platform around building community for people that struggle with drugs and alcohol, creating tools that the therapist or the coach can utilize to engage the individual setting up calendars, reminders, sending U-turn content to facilitate communication between the therapist and the individual. There's a lot of ways for us to work together, particularly with New Life, but I see the same thing with you know virtually all of these mental health companies that are here. They need content, but more importantly, they need real expertise around substance misuse. So a group like us, where you've got three founders who are all in recovery from addiction, we've, we've got this lived experience that I think is extremely important inside of this particular space. Gotcha. Um, I think a wrap up question is kind of your forward looking statement about 2022, what really gets you excited? Where do you see the company going next? Yeah, I mean, without doubt, the, the, there's two areas where I'm excited more than anything else. One is the work we do with the VA in, inside of the South Carolina VA. Mm. It's just, it, it feels so good to help these folks. 16% of the veterans we work with score high to moderate on a suicide scale. 35% have high risk uh, drug or alcohol usage. These are people that, that served our country, have already gone through a VA drug or alcohol inpatient facility, and they're still struggling. So to be able to help them, is it just feels good. It means a lot. They deserve the help, and, and we love giving it to them. But in addition to that, the work we're doing inside of the treatment center space, a lot of different treatment centers, because they are bringing a solution to the family and it's the first time I've ever seen the family truly get involved in learning how to keep themselves healthy, support the individual that's struggling. All of this is gonna bring change to addiction medicine and we will slow the multi-generational aspect of addiction, I have no doubt. You know, Shay, there's actually one other thing I wanted to, to mention or ask you about. Um, a lot of the people who listen to our podcast are uh, founders, are entrepreneurs, are leaders. 
Um, and you have a particular style of leadership in your company because of what you've been through. You're, you're very transparent about your story. You're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. You just told a story about talking to somebody and opening up in a way that brought them to tears that they were able to share something hard in their life. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could speak to the role of vulnerability in leadership to the folks who might be listening to this. Man, I, you know, I don't know any other way to do it personally, but you know, my very first boss, a guy named Leighton Cubbage, when I first got out of college in 1991, he was he, he was very transparent about his, his personal challenges. He had gone through a divorce. He talked openly about it in company meetings. And I just thought that's the way you did it. I just got mm. so much out of it. I love this man. He was a he's a beautiful human being. I still stay in touch with this guy. And I learned that way. But I think leaders telling their stories, sharing their personal challenges with the team, with the workforce, making it okay to talk about this. Why would you not do that? Why would you not do it? It facilitates trust and it facilitates healing. If you share your story with employees, they will go to the mat for you no matter what period and if they know that you care about them and you love them you got a company that's gonna you're gonna succeed period yeah. you may not make a lot of money but you will make a difference and I think that's what we're trying to do here especially the folks inside of health yeah it's fear it's fear it's fear yeah. of what people are gonna oh, think sure, about you sure uh, what their perception will be yeah. that, that you're not perfect that's right you don't have it all together man I'm certainly nowhere close to perfect I'm a I'm, I'm just trying to keep myself glued together and make a difference yeah no <laughs> I, I admire you know just you know showing up as a human being and saying look my name is Logan Plaster, and I'm, I'm not perfect. Yeah, you know, I have, I've got problems. Yeah. And we could start there. Yeah, that's you know? it. That's it. Yeah. Well, Shay, that's the time that we have. Uh, I love what you're building. Uh, I love that the way that you uh, are leading your company with transparency uh, and the way that you're also uh, deploying collaborations to try to bring the best of uh, different solutions into something much bigger that can scale. Yep. So very excited to see what you do in 2022. Awesome. Thanks, Logan. Great right. being here, man. Thanks, Jay. Yep.